Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. All right, cool. Hi, everybody. This is Jay Nathan um, from Customer Imperative and the Gain, Grow, Retain community. Uh, for customer success leaders, I'm here with uh, my friends, Christy Altruso. Hey, Christy. Hi. And Jeff Brunsbach, my business partner. And uh, we're doing our, our weekly Thursday uh, Q&A session. The topic that we're going to talk about today, it's like, where, where should the uh, customer success organization sit within a SaaS business? Um, should it report to the CEO? Should it report to the COO? Should it report to the sales leader? Um, should it report to operations in some way? So lots of interesting perspectives on this from across uh, all the different types of SaaS companies that, that we're involved with and we work with in the community uh, and in our business. And so we thought it'd be fun just to sort of riff on this a little bit and talk, talk to it. Welcome to the Game Grow, Retain podcast. Christy, I'll kick it to you first. Where do you think customer success should live in an organization? All right, so... I think we can all agree that we believe that customer success is something that's owned by the company, right? Like, I think we can agree to that, right? Like in a, in a perfect world, not in reality yeah. where we live, but in a perfect world, the entire company would be responsible for customer success, right? The customer success practitioners are just kind of the orchestrators of that reality, right? That outcome. That said, like, yes, ideally customer success would roll up into the CEO because it is a company-wide initiative and should have that visibility and that level of support. But that's not reality for a lot of organizations and it's not the structure that some follow. So I think what's interesting is to talk about the nuances that might result in why it wouldn't be rolling up into the CEO. Like for example, I've worked in a couple different companies and I've reported into many different types of leaders and parts of the business. I've reported into the CEO. I've reported into a chief customer officer. I've reported to a CRO. Um, I've reported into a VP of CS who rolled up into operations. So I've, I've had a little taste of all the different flavors and I will tell you there were some nuances that I think directed whether or not where I sat, right? Like, did we own revenue or did we not, right? And companies where I was responsible for owning the renewal, owning all of the growth associated with that, and that means the expansions, upsells, and cross-sells, reporting into the CRO in some cases made sense because we were ultimately all responsible for the company's revenue. And so as long as they understood the benefit of customer success and they weren't so binary in their thought process, a good, strong leader can allow customer success to function in parallel with a sales business under revenue. Um, other places where it was not, we didn't own revenue. I worked for a company where we worked alongside an account management team that that was owned by sales and customer success was there as to serve as a consultant role. And in that role, we reported into, you know, customer success, which rolled up into the CEO. So I think I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, are there certain factors about how the organization, the business, the product and the model is structured that would dictate where it sits, right? Because I don't think it's as cut and dry in saying as it should be here or it should be there. Like, I think there's other rhymes or reasons why it could successfully operate and under a different leader. Yeah. And, you know, just because it reports to the CEO might not be a good thing, right? I, I've reported into very sales driven CEOs, right? That that doesn't really um, wouldn't have been any better than it reporting to a COO. And I've reported to a COO before and that worked out just fine. Um, so I think maybe an important distinction here is you talked a little bit about owning revenue and then not owning revenue, but I also think it's important to understand what other functions are owned by customer success besides just CSMs, CS yeah. management, right? So in, in the organizations that I've run, 
most of them, it's been support services. You can think of that as implementation and onboarding customer success managers, and in one case, even account management and solution engineers, right? Yeah. So there was like a whole, a whole gambit. I reported directly to the CEO in, in, in those organizations most of the, most of the time. Um, but I, I think those other functions sort of would almost preclude it from being a CRO responsibility, right? Because there's just so much more that they aren't really necessarily interested in. Although at that point, I think it becomes a president role. Right. If it doesn't report to the CEO and all those functions report into one person, then it's then it's a president in my in my mind. Again, like probably lots well, that's of who I report into now is the president, right? So I've got all these things and I roll up onto the president. So I think now, that model, does a president does a president have a sales background or does that person have a operations background sales. or domain? Okay. Which is typical, right? I mean, I think most general managers, presidents, even CEOs are, you know more often than not, it's not a blanket statement, but more often than not, they have a sales or marketing kind of DNA and background. Yeah. Um, but by the time you rise to that level, then you've got full purview over everything that's affecting your customers and your revenue stream. So I think that makes more sense. Um, so I don't know if I give you a framework there, but I think there's, there's more to think about relative to the other functions that you have. It's not just CSMs in, in a lot of customer yeah. success departments, right? It's, there, there's, there's a bunch of different functions underneath that. Jeff, what are yeah, your thoughts? One of, the, one of the, well, you mentioned earlier, own revenue in the commercial aspect. And the other thing I was just writing down was actually what Jay just mentioned, which is also like, what purview do you have over the customer journey and the actual experience that's happening? Because I think that's the other, at least in my mind, those are two of the changeable factors. And I think the third one is the, how technical is the product? And the fourth one might be like, what is the, what's the growth of the business? Are we, I think this might be the biggest question to answer. And I think this might actually be the question that Jay and I have learned about the most as we've done our business over the last three years, which is, do you have venture, do you have venture capital money invested? Because the growth trajectory of the business is very different than if you have uh, a private equity uh, and late stage private equity, or if you even are bootstrapping, or if you're thinking about you're already profitable and you're just building a business for the long run, because that, I think the answer to that question also understands how the organization needs to set itself up for long-term success. And the reason I say that is venture capital is coming in and uh, if you look at venture capital, right, they want to make 20 bets and they want a billion dollar company. That's generally the rule that you hear. And so they're trying to go very fast, very quickly, and they're trying to look at growth at all costs in theory. Um, so if I'm looking at that, then, you know, to your point, Christy, man, maybe I'm going to report into the CRO and this is going to be a very commercial driven CS team where we're going to need to hit metrics. We're going to have, you know, quota, like we're going to have things that are on top of this team that is going to be very growth oriented or revenue oriented. Um, if you're in late stage private equity, uh, they're probably looking for a little, a little bit more or a little uh, less of like meteoric growth and you're looking for more consistency, but you're still hitting growth targets, right? Like they still want to make a return in a multiple. They might be thinking of roll-ups. They might be bringing in other companies alongside of you that they're trying to, to put together. So I think that's the other you know, thing in late stage. And then if you're kind of bootstrapped or if you're even profitable right now, uh, then I think you might actually have uh, you know, a chief customer officer who might become an, its own part of the company because you know what, like we're actually looking at the customer experience probably in a different way than we are uh, at a, a uh, series A or you know, late stage private equity company. So those are a couple of things that I was thinking about. Um, and I think the fourth one is something I latched onto just because of the experiences that we've had recently um, in understanding how the money and equity and debt that you bring onto the business really changes the trajectory of where you need to go. And then you really need to set up the organization to support that. I think maybe a more in interesting, so right now we've established that um, it could report into a bunch of different places, <laughs> right? Is what we've just talked about, but maybe more, more interestingly, what are the characteristics of the leader 
that it does report into? Like what, what should they ideally be thinking about relative to that, that whole functional area reporting into their, their part of the business? I mean, they have to, they have to see cust- the customers as maybe the most valuable asset besides the employees of the, of the, of the business. Uh, that's what I would start with. But what would you guys add, Jeff? Um, yeah, the customers are the most important aspect. I mean, I think, you know, back to something that Christy mentioned, I think that, you know, if we're reporting to the CEO, if we're, you know, wherever we're reporting to the organization, uh, so yes, they have to see customers as an asset, but they also have to be um, thinking about the customer journey and experience. And it's not only on customer success. So it has to be kind of company-wide. You have to be thinking about um, the product and how the product rolls into the customer experience and journey. Um, And, you know, the sales, marketing, everything just being customer-centric. I think that's the cliche word is, you know, how customer-centric are we and and what's happening in the organization that's really impacting the journey and the experience. Um, So I think the the big, you know, the big question, I think, when you start thinking about characteristics is, um, are they actually showing action based off the being customer-centric first, or is it just talk, right? There's a lot of companies that talk about it, but are we actually, you know, bringing voice of customer into uh, meetings where we're actually, you know, using it to drive the product roadmap, or we're using it to improve our marketing and sales process? Uh, are we actually talking to customers on a regular basis? Does the CEO talk to customers? Does the president talk to customers? Like, do we actually have uh, executive team members who want to be in front of the customer on a regular basis? Um, so I think it, to me, maybe just the biggest thing I, I would look for and think about is also like who on the executive team is actually, you know, driving the action behind being customer centric and thinking about uh, where, you know, can I report to that person? And does that person actually have the values and beliefs of, of you know, what we want to try to accomplish in the customer success team? I think there's an influence factor too. You have to, whoever, whoever this executive is, right. That owns customer success has to be someone that has credibility across the entire organization. So this is where I think, I don't, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but I think this is where maybe sometimes sales leaders get in trouble when they own the function because it's, it's clear what they're there to do, right? They're there to sell new business and that's cool. Like we totally need that. Um, but we also need to affect change in the product. We need to affect change um, in you know, a lot of different delivery functions, services, support, um, you know, maybe there are operational managed services that are, that go along. We've talked about that on this podcast before. Um, but I think you, you have to really be able to, to drive and influence a change. And I think the way you do that, it goes back to something you said, Jeff, which is they have to almost be the chief customer officer, no matter what their title is. Right. And maybe that is the CEO and that's awesome, but you have to be out in the market. You have to understand the market, the customers better than, than anybody else. Um, because it really is going to drive everything you're, you're trying to do from a go-to-market business perspective all the way through how you deliver on that from your product and how you organize your teams and how you orchestrate the customer journey. And then you have to get everybody working together on the same vision. I mean, that's a, big, that's a big job, which is why I think so many people talk about it rolling up to the CEO because the CEO in many companies is the only person with the clout to drive that kind of uh, unified vision for how we're going to work with customers. Yeah, one of the one of the things, uh, Christy, that I'll try and uh, sum up here and ask you is, um, I also think about not only where it reports in the organization, um, but maybe also like, what's the what's the ladder to get to the, to the executive team, or are you already part of the executive team? Right? Are you in the are you in the meetings? Are you in the know? Uh, I heard a comment earlier on our CS leadership office hours. Um, we were talking about you know how are you doing financial forecasting? How are you working with your finance counterparts to think about resources, both from you know human pers- human capital as well as technology one of the comments was like, oh, I'm not part of that planning process right now. And to me, that was a really big red flag because it's like, well, 
you're not, you know, if you're not part of that planning process, uh, then clearly, you know, it's not necessarily something that is uh, valued in the business right now, maybe customer success. Um, so how would you think about, you know, how do you get part of that executive team if you're not there now? Like, what are the things that, uh, I don't know, Christy, you've done over your career that says, you know, you know, you've gotten the seat at the table, like, hey, I've had to go earn it. And, you know, here are the ways that I want to show value for customer success to, to say, hey, we deserve a seat, you know, as we start thinking about this function. Well, I think you can't, you can't debate data, right? So I think for the most part, it's educating. So I feel like a lot of the organizations I've entered, there is this desire to act as a customer-centric organization, right? Like people want to truly be that, whether or not they are doing that today or they're demonstrating those actions or not. I think people at their core do want to feel like they are doing what's right for their customers. So I think a lot of what I see would have been successful with me is one, having access to those conversations, but to get there, brokering it through data and being able to articulate the value of what it is that I'd be able to do through this function. And so it's always been education play because most people, they don't know what they don't know. And especially if it's the first time that they're staffing a customer success team or they're trying to mobilize it or have it take you know, bigger wings where it's taking over support and services and all these things, um, there's an education component that's required. And I think if you do that well, if you educate and you can support it with data, I think you're going to get access to those conversations. But I will agree in a lot of the cases that for organizations that I've been in, which are kind of like that mid-stage, usually like C to D, E stage funding, um, it's more about getting access to those conversations, but being empowered as a leader to make the decisions and have the autonomy to drive change that is supported, regardless of who I report to. Like that's never, I feel like for me, and maybe why this is so sensitive to me, I've never, it didn't matter where I reported, I was always empowered and enabled and mobilized in doing the things I needed to do to drive the change I needed to. So that's why I think I feel like, yes, it would be nice if I reported to the CEO, sure, it'd be great if I was a chief customer officer, all these things, but no one has ever been a blocker to me in driving the change that was necessary for me to operationalize customer success. And I've, like I said, my strategy has always been education and data. So that's how I've gotten that seat. And that's how I've been a part of those conversations. And I'll continue to be disruptive in a, in a good, productive, healthy way. But we all want to get, we all want to get to a place where we're doing what's right for our customers. Cause to your point, they are the most important asset. Yeah. There's a, a couple of things come to mind for me too, that we just had a good podcast with a, a guy named Bob London. He does a lot of marketing work. And um, one of the things he said, you know, is like, one of the most valuable pieces that customer success can bring to the table is you are the closest to the customer and you have insights that nobody across the organization has. And so the way that you present that, the story you can tell, the way that you present that, how you bring that into your meetings can be such a, a tangible asset for you as a leader because you can open doors. And just to your point, right? Like I can come educate the C-level, maybe I'm not in the executive meetings right now, but if I can put together a compelling story with the data, I'm going to get invited to that meeting because they're going to want to know the, you know, after they see this presentation and they don't have the context of me filling in, you know, what's happening across the slides, they're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm like, bring, you know, we need to start getting into that meeting. Like we need to have that as regular rhythm. So I think thinking about the story you can tell with the data, to your point, and the insights that you can bring from your customer conversations, right? The whole voice of customer program that we've talked about probably on this podcast, anywhere else is like, you have insights that nobody across the organization um, can really have. The other thing I'll just mention quickly too, is also, I think an area that we noticed maybe, um, early leaders or first-time leaders and in, in some of the things that they're maybe not necessarily thinking about is trying to make sure you're trying to back up your models and the way that you're thinking about your business unit or your team, whatever it is, uh, with financial backing and getting buy-in from other parts of the organization. So maybe I don't have a seat at the table right now. Maybe I'm just a director of customer success, but I can tell you what, whoever I report into, whether that's the VP of customer success or maybe it's you know, sales leader, I bet they would really be happy if I came to them in August of this year, uh, September of this year with a, 
a plan for 2021 hiring and said, hey, here's what I think we're going to do in this part of the business. I'm going to come to you proactively with this plan. I went and already, you know, looked it over with finance. But I think the more proactive you can be, the way you can try and back it up with data, build models, like that's the way you start moving up the organization as well to get into the right conversations. And I see um, that fall down a little bit right now with some of the uh, some of the leaders that we've seen and in, in some of the situations that we've come into. Let me ask a question because we didn't talk on this, but have you guys in your experience seen customer success reporting into product? We didn't talk about the chief product officer owning customer success and given the direct correlation with our customers and the technology, seemingly that could be a fit also, especially definitely depending on the complexity of the product. So is that something you guys see and, and when when is that a good model? Yeah, I mean, we know of one specific example. It's um, Abby at, at Churn Zero. All customer success team there reports into her. She's the product, chief product officer there. Um, and there is, I mean, there, there's great alignment. I think, especially as the product is getting off the ground, right? And it's, uh, if it's early, early stage, which Churn Zero is not early, early stage, but um, they're still learning a lot in the market as everybody should be. And I love the alignment there because then product has sort of this built-in affinity towards existing customers as the people that we really need to knock it out of the park with to maximize our you know, that asset that we have is in our customer base. So that's Abby Hammer is one that I know of specifically. But other than that, I think I, there's one more that I'm thinking of and I can't even remember who it is, but it's very rare. Um, and I, I actually think, um, I mean, my perspective, I've been in product management. I spent three years in product management leading a team there and learned a lot about that world. It's hard. I mean, it's difficult. There's, there's a lot of prioritization that has to be done. You've got stuff coming at you from every direction. Um, and I think there's a different cadence to that work, like a completely different cadence to it that most product leaders aren't necessarily geared to, to lead a customer success team, which is in my experience, much more fluid of a sort of like a work style in some ways. And then probably much, much more process oriented and structured in other ways in terms of the, the orchestrated customer journey and all that comes along with that. So, um, but yeah, it, it's a good it's a good point. I think more often it's your know, product leader, VP product reports into COO, and then also maybe the the customer success organization also reports into COO, and so it's really more around operations than it is necessarily the chief product officer. Yeah, I've not personally ever reported into that role, but I've heard of teams now moving in that direction. I've just not I've not seen any of it, so that's why I thought it'd be interesting to hear you guys. And Trinzo is an excellent example. Yeah, we should. We we have a podcast with Abby that we can uh, we can link. Yeah, she talks about it. This one. Yeah, she she goes into detail. It's good. The other the other change that this um, just got me thinking about is a um, Alex Farmer who's active in our game grower tank community. He talked about uh, and this is a very big tangent, but uh, just aligning what Jay mentioned about aligning product. And uh, Alex talked about how what he's been doing is I think once a month they've got a customer success story internally. And so they have somebody from the customer success team present um, a story and it's not just from customer success. It's actually, they get the sales leader or the sales uh, partner, whoever sold the deal, they get the implementation person, they get the CS person, they might get somebody from support and they actually talk about the success of that customer and the challenges they might be going through and just the, the different stories that happen. And the reason why I found that unique and kind of what I think you were getting at Christy with the, you know, does it report into the product officer is one of the things he said that that really has done for him at his organization was to go, you can actually now start to see how maybe somebody in product or engineering who's never really thought, you know, about the customer in, in the sense, right? They, they do think about it, but they're just not as close to it. They can't really talk to the customers as often. Uh, but those stories now have like infused throughout the company and it's really helped to change the vernacular. Uh, it really has brought um, a way for 
people who aren't customer facing to really feel like they've got more stories at their hands, that they can really kind of be closer to the customer. Uh, and so I just thought that was an interesting tangent just based off of that kind of, you know, did they report to the product officer? Because I think, um, you know, that's just one thing that would be really interesting for people to think about is how can you, um, I think we've always heard like, how can you be the chief customer? Or how can you be, you know, the chief evangelist for your customers internally? And so thinking about how you might be able to do that. So I'm curious, Christy, if you've done anything like that to try and help kind of uh, spread the, the customer success, you know, across the organization, you mentioned kind of education and data upwards. Um, what about maybe horizontally or down, you know, in other parts of the organization? Have you, have you had a meeting like that? Or do you think about other ways to educate the team? So in previous roles, I will say for where I am right now, I've got enough on my plate and that's not something I'm trying to do today. It definitely yeah. would be something I'd like to do. In previous roles though, we have done things like that where we've done it in our quarterly company meetings. So not maybe the same cadence in which they were doing it. Um, and we didn't, we definitely didn't leverage the account team model to tell the holistic story from like the direct people that managed it, right? It was the customer story or the customer journey. It was more anchored on their outcome and like what it is that they were focused on and less like here's what may have happened during this stage of the journey, both from the customer side and our side, right? And also maybe incorporating customer feedback and surveys that were completed with snippets and sound bites and all that. So I don't think it was as holistic as it sounds like Alex is doing it, which is great. Another thing we did do though, was we had um, a lot of different Slack channels that were set up via troops. And so anytime a deal was won or lost, um, our customer was won or lost, right? Like, so whether they upsold, they renewed, or they churned, or something else negative happened, all of that was being pumped into these Slack channels that was like, we had a wins channel and a losses channel, and it included all the Salesforce data. So it actually had the story there. So it was like real-time updates that were being fed to the entire company as it was happening. And simultaneously, we also had dashboards that would actually show all of our, our business metrics, right? So like revenue and churn and all these things, and those were plastered all over the company. So you would see dials moving and the Slack channel going off, and you would get the real context of what was going on in that moment. And so one thing we could have done is we probably could have followed up with it more and given more context, but I will say the notes that the team put in there were pretty thorough um, because you'd have to fill in like 10 boxes because we were pretty crazy about stuff like that. So it would be like, why are they, like if it was a churned customer, why are they leaving? Give us the context and like tell the story. And like, you know, the CSMs were pretty diligent about telling that story because one, they didn't want it to poorly reflect on them. They wanted it to be factual and give that context because it was so visible. Um, and same thing on the wins, right? Like the wins one was actually probably the most fun not only because it was a win, but like the celebratory collaboration and like the highlighting of the team approach to winning something was always there. It was like, we won this and this team did this and this team did that. And here's and like, and it was really the breakdown and celebration of everyone who was involved in it down to like how it came across the finish line. And so, I mean, I loved that because you were getting, again, the real time updates of what's happening, but then also the context of the business impact. So those were some of the things that we've done to do that. Um, I like Alex's approach. Maybe it's something I'll be able to incorporate more thoroughly here when I get there. Um, but yeah, definitely agree that you need to be socializing those stories a bit more. We have a funny, uh, we have a funny Slack story. We had, a, we had a client that not only would they publish a churned customer into Slack that everybody in the company, including the CEO yep. could see, Every time a user got deactivated, it would it would show up in the CEO Slack inbox. And I guess that they were their model was like you pay per user. Yes, it was a pay per user <laughs> model. I guess so it, it guy, depends I mean, on what the revenue model is there. Uh, yeah, he was like our churn is out of it's crazy. Like it was just like hair on fire all the time inside of this company. And so he said the first thing we're going to do is we're turning that Slack channel off. The second thing we're going to do is go build an actual renewal and retention model so that you can actually see what it looks like. And then we, we completely got him calmed down. So that's a, that's a shameless plug right there. But it was, it was, it was really funny. It was like, he, 
every time one left. He didn't see when they got added, just when they left. So that's right? so, so interesting. Like, like, why wouldn't you have the, the reverse story, right? Like, and every time yeah. a user's added and like confetti pops or something. Like, I feel like yeah. that's the problem with a lot of companies is we always, so we focus in on the bad and like we're chasing the risk and we're, we're trying to save these companies and we don't spend enough time celebrating the wins and like all the work that went into it. It's kind of like, it happened, great, on to the next one. And so there's never that yeah. moment of pause and celebration and recognition. All right. So while you were talking there, I, I came up with another framework, maybe Ooh, way to God, think about how, like how to think about where customer success should report. So let's talk about, inter talk a lot about enterprise SaaS versus SMB SaaS, yeah. right? Enterprise being larger customers, 50K and above, typically not a hard and fast rule, but just an idea. And an SMB being smaller customers, even all the way down to what you might read about as product led kind of yep. companies, right? Where they're all, all the interaction growth comes through the product. So what seems to make sense to me is on the enterprise side of things, you're dealing with larger customers, you're dealing with more stakeholders, more high influence kind of customers within that model, right? And so whoever's running the entire customer organization really needs to have a equal seat at the table with the entire executive team and direct line to the CEO to get things done. So there's idea one. Idea two is if you're on more of the high velocity you have a longer tail of customers, you know, tens of you know, thousands or tens of thousands of customers, then maybe this whole idea of reporting into the COO is more realistic, right? And you have product aligned under the COO potentially. And then there's just tighter alignment between this whole operational loop that drives customer engagement through the product that drives customer engagement through digital, you know, marketing methodologies. And it sort of makes more sense to, to run it through the, the COO. Like that, I actually see being a much more viable model right for for um if you had to make a decision based on one of those so anyway i just thought of that what do you guys think do you agree i mean what i would agree with that i just i think about all of the because i've got the whole i've got the whole gamut right like i have, the, I have the, what feels like the longest long tail i've ever had and then i also have these like multi-million dollar deals um and so well yes, if you've got I, that it automatically puts you into the enterprise bucket i right? think this is why i have more of a voice right like because I've, I've got all different kinds yeah. of problems i'm solving for it's very different um, but I do like the idea of like breaking it down like that because I do think, especially as you're managing a longer tail or these smaller customers, the need to operationalize your practice is so much more prevalent. And I think especially your reliance on technology and cross-functional ops, because it's, there's so much you've got to deal with, especially if you're going to try to scale it. So I definitely, I, I support that model. I think it makes a ton of sense. I, I agree. I, I don't think we can uh, talk about this today, but one of the, the topics that just really triggered for me is the whole um, idea, and I think this is a challenge that we see all the time around technology integrations in, internally at a company. Um, you know, sales has Salesforce, marketing has a tool, customer success has a tool, product has data tools, and you know, the whole operation, you know, reporting to the COO or, or the VP of operations or whatever that looks like uh, sounds like a great idea, but I also wonder uh, if we could go break down another session about like how do we get more alignment with the tools that we're using? Because I still think even if you report into the, the operational leader, uh, like in, you're talking about Jay and, and kind of having like this more operational cadence for the long tail. Like I still think there's this technology component that is largely overlooked at organizations. They kind of just in a silo still buy their tools. And then every once in a while they kind of get together and they're supposed to be an operational, you know, organization that brings all this together. But I, I, I don't know. I think largely we, we see that missing a lot of companies. So you walk in and, you know, the customer success leader is like, well, I can go buy my own tool or I could maybe plug into Salesforce or, you know, like there's the marketing tool, like what do I do? And I think that's a really interesting question to maybe to dive into next time is like, how do you go about kind of unpacking technology and who really should own the technology decisions in companies? Um, it's a little bit broader than customer success, but uh, I just think it's a challenge we always see. 
it, it is broader than customer success, but it really, really is impacting the customer experiences that companies are providing because as companies are growing, they're grabbing whatever tools. I mean, there's SaaS tool for everything, now, thankfully for us, right? I mean, there's a SaaS tool for everything, but all those are creating new touch points with the customer <laughs> or not all of them, but many of them are. And so before you know, it, you have this proliferation of touch points that don't make any sense because there is not a single unified place. So I think it's a good conversation. Um, probably. Say, having worked at Better Cloud, where their whole thing is SaaS ops, um, I will tell you how many companies don't even know what their entire tech stack looks like. And I like we literally have worked with tons of hundreds of companies, large companies that like they could probably only name a fraction of them. So you don't need, like, you've got millions of dollars going out to technology companies all over. You probably have more duplication than you care to openly admit. And nobody knows who owns it. Nobody, nobody's responsible for it. There's CSMs all over the world trying to get QBRs and EBRs with these people. Um, nobody, like, there's no central place of ownership. And so I think this is a really important one. And Jay, your direct correlation of like technology's impact on the customer journey and experience, I think it's spot on, right? Like I even think of like my billing and finance and I'll always go back to that because that feels like the biggest thorn in everyone's side. But like Zora and it's like messaging and invoicing, like just any of these tools, if the messaging is off, if the sequencing is off, if you've got a rule that triggers incorrectly based off of data that's pulling from Salesforce and that's inaccurate, like, uh, yes, so let's we, make we, that a topic we, because this yeah, could be a very it. big long one. We, we actually have a, um, so we do a customer journey workshop is one of our big engagements that we'll do with our customers. We actually have a, a thing in there. Somebody suggested us to this, but suggested this to us, but we actually think it's a really good idea. You go build a wall of shame and the wall of shame is catalog point that you have with across every and every every tool and every email communication that goes out just catalog it and that's your wall of shame and then you start fixing it little by little so um yeah we definitely need to talk about that one next time maybe we'll tee that up for next week all right um we got one minute left christy you sum it up for us this week Oh my gosh. I don't know. Closing thoughts. I'm Jay. I'm going to, I'm going to take your, your ideology of like small business, roll up into ops, makes a ton of sense. Automation, pull product under there. Logical. Um, bigger seat at the table, more exposure, cross-functional, direct access to leadership, enterprise. Uh, my take is I would love it if we could, we could report to the CEO, but I'm, I have been very successful not. And I think it depends on your voice, your ability to lead, to drive change, to act as a change agent, and your company's real commitment to customer outcomes. And so, Jeff, I think that kind of hits some part of what you talked about, which is a core, a core component or a core characteristic is a true customer centricity, right? Like a, a leader who really does believe in the impact of the customer, as well as the value and, you know, wants to build an organization that's going to operationalize around them. So I don't know if I captured everything in a nutshell, but... I don't know. I love this topic. I, I, like I said, I have a lot of feelings about it because I don't think it's as cut and dry as people make it seem. Um, I don't think that there is one right way. I think there's a lot of right ways. Obviously there's companies that are successful all over the place and they've got all different kinds of wacky models. And so who are we to say what works should be the only way, right? I think do what's best for your business. But if you are operating with your customers at the core of your business and that is your DNA and that's what you're trying to do, um, I think the outcome can only be a positive one. Awesome. Couldn't have said any of that better myself. So, all right, we'll wrap it up here. It was good to see everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for checking this out. We'll do it again next week. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.